I gotta do a public apology. I, I didn't tell you how to turn on the mic or anything like that. Oh, did I need a mic? No, nah, you was good. I just wanna say that. Yeah, everybody heard? She did a good job, right? Give it up for Joseph. I just wanna recognize that. Man, but school is starting. Is anybody ready for the school year? I'm not ready for the school year, but. But we wanna bless uh, not only our kids that are getting ready to jump into a new school year, but our educators. And so I wanna, right now, if you're an educator, uh, whatever capacity that looks like, we wanna invite you to the front because we wanna pray a blessing and a prayer of protection over you for this school year. So educators, teachers, principals, uh, teachers, assistants, whatever your role may be, if you have a role in the schools, we wanna invite you up here. Yeah, yeah. make some noise for them. And I'm going to ask everybody's role. No, I'm just playing. And then we have Liv, a future educator. Yeah. But it's exciting, man. First, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for pouring into our kids at whatever level that looks like for you. Because kids are hard. I got four of them. And they make my life a pleasure, okay? So I get it. And you have some tough kids. But we are so grateful and thankful for each one of y'all. And we just want to pray blessing over y'all. I want to read this to you. In Proverbs verse 5 of chapter 30 says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. And so just as you go through this next season in the school year, just keep saying that, okay, God, your word proves true. No matter what shows in front of me, no matter how hard the situation is, I know great things are coming and being birthed from this. And so I just want to speak that over you and just pray that for y'all. Uh, Father, if y'all would just stretch out y'all's arms too as we pray over them. I'm going to put my arm on Haley. But Father, I just thank you for each one, uh, man, that have just stepped up to answer the call that you placed to them. Father, we know that it's not a coincidence that you have them at these schools and these positions. They're places you've been preparing them and places of influence that you want to use for your kingdom, Father. And so just let them be an extension of you into the school year, Lord. And we just pray for protection, Father. It's scary when we turn on the news and we see the things that have happened in schools over the past several years, Father. But we are grateful that in our city, in our towns, Father, we haven't had to endure those things. And so, Father, we just pray that that would continue to go that this would never be a place that we would have to, uh, man, walk through that, but it would be a place that we raise you up and glorify you in. And so, Father, just watch over them. Give them peace. Give them opportunities just to soak in your presence and your goodness. And may this school year be the best one that they've ever had. And so, Father, we just thank you for them. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Yeah. On the flip side, I want to call all the kids that are going to school this year up here. All the children's. Except for you, son. Not you. Come on, son. Come here. You can come over here. All the kids. All right. Yeah, yeah. If y'all get the little guys, come up front. Come on, front, bigger guys in the back. Come on. Come on, girls. Y'all can scoot up. Bigger people in the back. Bigger people in the back. Girls, Marty, Cambria, y'all come over here. 
Lucas, what's up? Right, even see you, man. What's up? You cool right there. You cool. You might scoot in a little bit. You a little short, man. You got to get right here in between the cousins. Lucas, scoot in. Where's Mrs. Josie at? Come on down. This price is right. Yeah. Will you please pray over our young children's? Sure. I'll hold this one. You okay. Don't make me laugh. I know. I'm just talking. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this um, opportunity to come to your throne of grace. And on behalf of all of our kids, Lord, I pray that you would watch over each and every one of them, Father. Give them understanding, Father. Give them wisdom. Give them uh, courage when courage is needed. And give them um, the ability to speak up for one another. Heavenly Father, help them to search your word, to run to you when they are in trouble, to rely on their parents. Father God, help them to seek their teachers for guidance. Father God, give them every opportunity to build up your kingdom in their school, Father God, and help them, each and every one of them, to have wisdom and understanding. And we just give you all the praise and all the glory for each and every one of these children and all the children that are in all the schools, Lord. And I pray that um, just your wisdom over each and every one of them in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, children. All right. Hold up. All right, big kids can go sit down. Little kids, you can stay. I'm going to be the, what's the person that plays the flute? I'm taking all of y'all to class, okay? At this time, though, we're going to dismiss the kids. Parents, you're welcome to walk with me to take the kids to class. Everybody else, man, take this opportunity to tell each other good morning. Come on, children.
Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Doing all right? Waking up. Cody, did you have some coffee today? He don't drink coffee. I always tell myself, man, I'm going to get a cup of coffee, but when I know I'm preaching, I'm like, I'm going to be all shaking. Like, pastor, all right, he's going to fall out. No, nah, man, it's, it's always an honor and privilege to, to be in the house of the Lord with you on a beautiful Sunday morning. A hot one sometimes, but still beautiful. And, you know, this past week, as a church, it's been a busy one. We spent time at, in the Arnett at Rogers Park, being able to be a part of National Night Out. Uh, this past Thursday right here, we got to bless like 32 children with school shoes and just some haircuts and some cool things. And man, it's awesome to be able to serve the community. But you know something that I enjoy even more than serving others? It's doing life with y'all. Being able to do it with y'all, man, it, it makes all the difference for me personally. It's, it's a huge blessing. And, and last week I spoke about, man, when you're a believer, you're gonna have an enemy that comes against you. You got a target on your back. And, I talked about, man, he's an opportunist. He's always looking for an opportunity of how he can attack you because spiritual warfare, man, it's a real thing. But thankfully, so was our God. Our God is a real God, okay? And so the thing is, when he can't get to you, he's going to get to those closest to you. And sometimes that means your wife. Sometimes it's your children. Sometimes it's people within your family. But he's always looking. And today we're going to be touching on families, okay? as some of the blessings and the curses of our life, but families are difficult, man. And today we start a series called Family Matters. We wanna tackle some things within the family that may be arising and be problems for you, but also just for you to understand the importance of family and your role in it. And uh, there's gonna be a whole lot of uh, Steve Urkel references if you ever watch Family Members. I know our, our, our youth are gonna be like, I don't know what he's talking about. Y'all better look it up. I expect impressions when I see y'all now, but man, we all have families that we're born into. Um, some families we're married into, right? Other families we may be adopted into. And some people just become family. They grow to be family over time. But even through Jesus, we are bought into being a family with his blood. And so, uh, man, you know, it reminds me of a great philosopher, also a great ping pong player once said, uh, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I don't know if y'all know Forrest Gump. He was a professional, but, you know, I pray that we all learn to make the most of what we have, especially those in our families. We learn to appreciate, but also how to be family to others and, and live well with them. And so that's kind of what we're going to be focused on today. Uh, it's going to be kind of light, kind of heavy, okay? I know family can be a sensitive subject, but I pray more than anything that we would come out of this just more appreciative of our family, but also a bigger blessing to our family. So let us pray. Father, we thank you that with new days come new mercies, but also new opportunities to join you in your work. Father, we thank you for the blessing of our families and even those that we have difficulties with. Father, we thank you for using those moments to grow us and shape us to be better people and Often we don't always see that uh, as a blessing, Lord, but I pray that we see everything that you allow in our life as a blessing, no matter how hard or impactful or even negative it can be at times, Father, that when we have it with you, Lord, you can make something beautiful out of it. And so 
just speak to us this morning. Speak to us in ways that we need to be spoken to. Speak to us in love. Speak to us in, in ways that we can extend that love to others. And man, more than anything, may you get the glory in our families. May you be the ones that hold us together and may you be the light that shines within us. So Father, we just thank you and we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Families. You know, back in the day, it used to be a common thing to be brought up in a, in a marriage, in a, in a stable home. But now more than anything, what you see is a lot of people come from broken homes, right? They come from uh, divorces. They come from hard times in their families. And so I wanted to be sensitive to that because I know how easy it is to get emotional when you think about the things that you've been through with your family. Um, and so just as I was praying and just, man, saying, okay, God, well, how do I step into these waters without flipping people out of their boats? Uh, he really led me to this direction of the Apostle Paul writing to his young homie, Timothy, okay? We're going to be reading in 1 Timothy chapter 5. And if you know anything about Timothy, he's a young pastor, so he's leading the church. He's trying to learn how to love people and lead people well. And Paul is writing him a letter to encourage him, but also give him some wisdom that he's learned along the way. And see, Timothy, when you read the word, you learn a little bit about his background, that he had a grandmother that was highly influential in his life, but he also had Paul as a mentor. And so that's one thing that we can learn right off the muscle, right, right off the back, is that we need some godly influences in our life. We need some people that are going to step on our toes in loving ways, okay? We need some people that are going to call out our BS because they're trying to make us better. We need some godly people in our life. And so if you don't have those things, I encourage you to start finding those things because they are so vital, especially in the world and the time that we live in today. And so we see this, man. Paul is that for Timothy. He's trying to be the right influence. And one thing about families, right, you can't always pick who is a part of your family, but you can pick who is pouring into you. You can pick who is giving you wisdom, who has helped guiding you. And so I pray that you will find some godly influences. When we have that, when we have Jesus, we can learn to control our actions in ways that makes our families better. And we're going to read this, and I want to read what Paul tells Timothy, starting at verse 1. He tells him, Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Talk to younger men as you would your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother. Treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. Now a true widow, a woman who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays day and night, asking for God's help. But the widow who lives only for pleasure is spiritually dead even while she lives. Give these instructions to the church so that no one will be open to criticism. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Man, that's a tough word that Paul is telling Timothy. He said, man, I want you to, to kind of grasp the understanding of how to deal with different people at different stages of life. And so we read this, right, and we think, oh, well, it only applies to these select groups of people. 
But the truth is, whether it's a family of believers or it's your biological family or whatever your family looks like, you have a responsibility and a role to play in that. And Paul gives three practical things that we should be focusing on in our roles. He talks about the words that we're speaking. He talks about the way we're treating people. And he talks about how we're caring for people. And so I want us to start off with our words, right? Because I want you to see this. Words do more than deliver a message. They create a response. The words that you speak and how you speak them and who you're speaking them to, they do more than just saying something to communicate. It creates a response. I know words are a part of our everyday life and when we understand how to use them in God's way, man, it's gonna be so vital and it's gonna be so beneficial, not only for us, but for everybody. You see, because in families, the words that you speak are even greater because oftentimes it shapes who people become. And just because what you say it makes sense in your head, it doesn't always mean that when you say it, it's understood when it's heard. Have you ever sent somebody a text, right, and they sent you back a reply, and you're like, I don't even understand what they're talking about. Like, that's not what I was telling them. Like, you might have sent something to your spouse and be like, hey, man, do you need anything from the grocery store? They're like, nah, I'm good. And you're like, oh, you good? So, like, what are you trying to say to me? Like, we could take things the wrong way too often, especially when it comes to text. You know, back in the day when you used to have to talk after 9 p.m., right, you used to talk on the phone a lot, we didn't realize that having conversations with people was actually shape, shaping us and it helping us learn how to communicate better. But there's a big difference, man, that we need to understand is that the delivery and the tone of the message that we are giving can completely change the message. That's a practical action that we have the ability to influence in our families today. You don't have to wait for somebody else to teach you that. You could actually start living it and doing it. I know some of us have grown up on the receiving end of some hard words at times. And the thing about those hard words, when you hear them, man, it puts you in some hard places. And the things that come from that is usually, man, it produces troubled kids who learn to be troubled parents. I know you've probably heard the saying, hurt people hurt people. Man, what it really does in families is it creates a generational wave of negativity, okay? You start putting a cap on what's possible for your family. You start limiting the vision that God is trying to give. You start holding, man, on to perseverance that God is trying to give you to press through. You start to have an intolerance to when you get rejected. We don't see that our words are so powerful and, and the, the strength that are behind them. I spoke about it last week a little bit, man, that there's so much power in the things that we say and how we say them. And Paul tells us in verse one, he said, never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Talk to younger men as you would your own brothers. You know, Paul's warning us that we need to watch our mouths, man, that we need to be mindful of the way that we're communicating and who we're talking to. And just because somebody is older, right, and they should know better, as we often think, that doesn't give us the right that we could bash them, that we could put them down. Or even if they're younger and they don't understand or they don't know, that doesn't give us the right to humiliate them and drag them. See, words can cut deep. They can cut so deep that being disrespectful could feel like you're trying to be peaceful. You ever heard somebody go off and you're like, hey, man, you got to chill out. And they're like, no, man, you're lucky. That's all I'm doing. 
because I'll put these hands on them if it really came to it. I'm saving them. We don't think about that in the moment, though. We let our emotions take over, and we don't realize the impact of our words. But the other person on that receiving end might receive it, and it messes them up in a way that we didn't intend to. Our words are powerful. You see, when you're yelling and you're doing those things, man, you're not communicating your message any clearer. What you really are doing is you're turning down the volume to what is trying to be heard, to what you're actually trying to say. It actually has the opposite effect of what you think you're actually doing. And in families, man, it could push an individual into further darkness, into further struggle. It's important, man, the power of our words. The delivery and tone, man, it's important. I want to read a couple of different verses that just kind of, man, highlight this. And in Proverbs verse 10 and 11, it says, The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. In Proverbs 12, 6, it says, The words of the wicked are like a murderous ambush, but the words of the godly saves lives. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, it says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Man, the words that you speak to your families matter. They're important. You're either speaking life to them or you're speaking death. You're either harming them or you're helping them. We have to be mindful of the words and what we're communicating. And let's not just take Paul's word as a cautionary tale, but let's use it as instruction to do better. Words. Second thing that Paul was saying is a practical thing we could actually start living out today is the way that we treat people. And that's what I want you to understand today is the treatment you give can become the treatment that others learn to accept in their life. The treatment you give can become the treatment others accept. You see, we all have people that we look up to and that look up to us. And when you have a lack of awareness of that, it doesn't decrease, decrease the impact that you have. For the good or the bad, we're always influencing somebody. We're always impacting somebody's life. We're always helping them be shaped. And the same thing is true about us. We reproduce what we've been exposed to or we've grown or we learned along the way. And Paul's trying to make us conscious of what we do, of our actions. When you go to the hospital to receive treatment, you go because you're trying to find a cure to an illness or to a sickness. So it's supposed to bring some healing to your situation. And that's the same true for us. Our treatment towards our family should bring some healing to their situations. It shouldn't make it more tougher. It shouldn't make them further sick or further hurt. Paul said this to Timothy in verse 2. Treat older women as you would your mother and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Man, throughout the word of God, what you read is a highlight of honoring your parents, honoring your mother and your father, honoring your brothers and your sisters, bringing their keepers. It's no coincidence why Paul highlights women in this portion right here. He wants us to understand there's got to be a gentleness, a tenderness, a kindness that we have with each other in our families. 
oftentimes we're harder on each other because we are family. We do the opposite thing. Man, that's family. They're going to get over it. They'll be all right. Paul's like, nah, man, you don't realize the impact you're doing, how you're messing them up than helping them. You might say, well, pastor, you don't know my mom. You don't know my sisters, man. They kind of deserve that treatment. Man, the truth is they don't deserve that treatment. None of us do. If we were honest with ourselves and when we spend time with God, he'll let us know the kind of treatment we really deserve. It's a treatment that he gives us that we don't deserve, that we should be giving to others. Man, we don't deserve grace and mercy, and he always gives it to us. Oftentimes, we don't deserve his kindness, his gentleness, his tenderness, and he still gives it to us. The treatment we deserve, I can't say in church, but that's the kind of treatment we tend to give to our families, and we think that we're loving them well. Man, church, we got to be better than that. What we're really doing is we're teaching those that we influence that that's an acceptable way to treat other people or that's an acceptable way for them to be treated. We don't realize the impact that we're making. So when it happens in that person's life and we see them treating somebody else the same way that we've treated them, we can't be shocked by that. If we've been abusive and then we see them get an abusive relationship, we're like, why were you doing that? Well, we've taught them that's an acceptable way to live. We have to be mindful of the way that we're treating our families, the ways that we're treating each other. More than anything, when we see those happening in other people's lives, especially our families, it should be a wake-up call to check ourselves, to make sure that we're doing better. Proverbs 26, 11 says this, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Man, we always return to what we know. Once we accept certain things in our lives, it becomes part of our life. To do the opposite or even experience the opposite, man, it becomes foreign. We're like, oh, that don't even feel right. That don't, that don't make no sense. And I know I've joked in the past about working out because I'm horrible at it. I'm not good at it. But we all know that you use weights a certain way. You don't go to a gym and get the weights and start just throwing them around and tossing them around. We know that doing that is going to create some damage. It's probably going to hurt us, but it can actually impact somebody in ways that are irreversible. Our words carry weight. The way we treat people carries weight. We need to be cautious that we're not just out here throwing things around and then be surprised by the way that we see results happen. You see, when you understand that and you take caution, you use them in the right way. Because it could be scary the things we allow and accept in our life when we've been through some traumatic things. I get it. I was through a lot of things, probably things I should have never been in. And I always told myself, like, I got to be better than this. I don't want this for my children, for my spouse. But every once in a while, I see it creep back up even within myself. I see myself doing things that I said I would never become or do. We have to be mindful of the way we're treating things. You see, when you become overexposed to anything for too long, it becomes normal. And once it becomes normal, man, you naturally grow to expect it always occurring. So when it doesn't happen, you're like, man, I don't know if this is real. Like, I'm, this don't feel right. We start rejecting it. 
That's dangerous, church. That could have you accepting less and believing that that's God's will for you. Man, that could have you accepting abuse as a sign of affection. It could have you accepting somebody gaslighting you or guilt tripping you into you showing them loyalty. None of us want that for our children or for our family. But it gets repeated and passed on when we allow that treatment to continue, when we are part of that treatment, when we allow it to be accepted, to allow it to be a part of life. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. Don't you realize that sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? In this particular moment, Paul was referencing sexual sin, but it doesn't matter what the sin is. When you allow sin to spread like that in your life, in your family's life, it becomes a way of life. It gets passed down. It gets picked up. It gets introduced and introduced time and time again. Church, let's not let the things that we've been through or the things that we've experienced become the norm in our families, in our lives. Let's be a reason to stop the trend. Let's not allow the things we've been influenced to be a reason to continue it. Let's be the reason that it ends in our families. Let's stop it, church. The third thing that we see is how we care for others. And I know that's a struggle sometimes when we've been through traumatic things, right? We're like, they don't deserve my love. They don't deserve me to go out my way to help them out. But oftentimes we get it confused that we're actually doing them a favor and that it's all about them. It's really not. God says, man, you got to make this about me. So that means I want you to do some things that are going to please me, that ain't going to please you, and it doesn't matter how they feel about it. We have to learn that principle, church. In verse 3, Paul tells Timothy, take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. I know we live in a different time now, but back then when you were a widow, it was like having a death sentence. For one, you usually didn't have a source of income because your husband did that for you. You didn't just go out and get a job. And then if you didn't have any family or anything, you were really by yourself. It was going to take somebody coming alongside you for you to make it out okay. They didn't have rights and authorities like they do now. And I know sometimes nowadays, so pe people get so caught up in being independent, passive affirming, that's cool and stuff, but I don't need no kids. I don't, need no, I don't even need no man. I don't need nobody. Like, okay, okay, calm down. Like, I see you pay your bills, okay. I get it. But man, there's never an excuse for none of us because there's going to come a day that we all need help. And if we're going to always be independent like that, we're always going to be pushing everybody away. When that day comes, we're going to find ourselves by ourselves. We're all going to need help at one point or another. If we did need help, there'd be no reason to be at this church. Say, God, I don't even need you. I got this. I know how to be God better than you do. But that's not true, church. That's the reason we're here. We're a bunch of broken people trying to be better. So don't allow the pain that someone caused you to keep you from the help that you need. I've said it before, man, asking help is going to take humility. It's going to take you surrendering some things. And being prideful, it doesn't solve your problems. 
saying that you got it all by yourself, it ain't going to help you. It's just going to keep you from receiving the help that you need. Paul continues this in verse 4. He says, but if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. That pleases God. That's always the key. Sometimes we're like, oh, I'm going to pay my parents back. Watch, I ain't going to pick up my grandma. I'm going to leave her hanging. I want them to feel the pain that I felt as a child growing up. I don't understand how they were like that with my grandkids. They weren't like that with me. We always want payback. We always want people to feel the pain that we had. But church, it ain't about that. It's about doing what pleases God. And we have a responsibility to care for each other, to display godliness in our homes, in our families. I know you can't pick your parents. I know you can't pick the things that you wish you didn't have to go through. You can't. I know sometimes, man, things were more harmful for you than helpful. I get it. I was a product of that. But it's not about what they did back then. It's about what you can do now. It's about what you're going to choose to do from this moment forward. Because we're all going to have to stand up in front of God. And he's not going to ask, well, how did that go? Did, were they happy? Did they like what you did? He's not going to care about none of that. He's going to say, man, did you do what I asked you? Were you doing it to please me, to please yourself, to please them? Church, we got to learn to do things to please God. And that's not to say that there's not going to be boundaries when it comes to our families and loving them and caring for them. Because we see this. They say, man, if they got some children, they got some grandchildren, tell them to go help. That ain't on you. There's some boundaries that we could place. It doesn't always have to be dependent just on you. And then Paul also shows us some of the differences that we could see of those that we help. In verse 5 through 80 says, now a true widow, a woman who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays day and night asking for God's help. But the widow who lives only for the pleasure, for her pleasure, is spiritually dead, even while she lives. Give these instructions to the church so that no one will be open to criticism. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Paul's saying, man, you're going to learn the difference. You're going to know the people that you're helping with. You're going to learn them by their actions. You're going to know some people that you're helping, they're really going to be grateful for it. They're really going to use what you gave them. Other people won't. But there's going to come a point that you're going to be asked to help. And you're going to do it not for them, but for God. Now, that doesn't always mean that you could just be a doormat for them, that you can allow them to keep running over and taking advantage of you. That's not what the word of God is saying. It's not always all on you. It's okay to set boundaries because that's actually a form of caring for other people. Sometimes they got to learn that you can't be that crutch for them. They're going to have to walk again. You might have been there to help them temporarily, but eventually they got to take care of themselves too. So church, we all have a responsibility. We can do what we can and do it to please God. It's really that simple, and I know it can be that hard at times. Because sometimes God's going to tell you to bless somebody that you don't want them to do with. Somebody that's hurt you. Somebody that's dragged your name through the mud. 
but it isn't about them. It's about releasing it to God, making sure you're doing what pleases him. And watch how he blesses you. He's going to bless you with peace. He's going to bless you with a changed heart. Just the other day, I was listening to a podcast yesterday recommended by our couples group leaders, Amy and Hector Pena. Okay. Me and Desiree were listening to it, and it was talking basically some, a lot about this stuff, which was funny. But, man, it, it, was, it was just talking about, I can't even remember what I was going to talk about. Now I'm saying that. I messed myself up throwing it in there. Nah, man, just the pain that we have from those experiences, though, and how it just influences those that we love, how it really messes us up. We think we're really doing good things and caring for people and we're really actually hurting them. We can't allow the things that we've been through to stop us from being the change that is needed. So it has to start with us, church. We all have a responsibility. So that's my challenge for all of us. Be the example. You may not have had a stable home. You may not have had, uh, man, amazing parents to grow up with. You may not have always had that figure that you wanted to pour into your life. But if you are always waiting for that person to show up, you're going to miss the progress you could be making today. You know, I, I love my father to death, but oftentimes, man, I want to knock him out. I was telling the guys that this Wednesday, is that one time we put the gloves on and I got good shots in. But as I grew older, I realized, man, I don't understand what he's going through. I don't understand why he was the way he was. I just received everything and took it a certain way. I took everything so personal. And that's a struggle for all of us. We're human, right? We take everything to heart. We take everything personally. Church, let's be the example. Let's understand the impact that we have in those around us. Let's watch the words that we're using. It's going to create a response one way or another. Let's be mindful of how we're treating people. We, may, we need to help them get healed not get further sick or wounded. Man, let's be the change we want to see in our families. Let's know, okay, them generational curses of addiction, they stop with me. They're not getting passed on to my kids. They're not getting passed on to their kids. That trauma that I was raised in, it's stopping with me. My kids ain't going to know what that's like. My family ain't going to have an even experience. That is getting cut off of my family tree. Church, we have to choose that. We have to be that example. Because if we're not going to do it, it's going to continue. It's going to repeat. And then we're going to be looking sad like, man, God, I, I asked you to do this. And he's like, man, you didn't even do your part. You're always asking, always asking, but never contributing. Let's be the example, church. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. That when it comes to loving our families, Lord, it can be hard at times. It can be challenging. But you said, man, you just keep it simple. Do what pleases me. Watch the words that you use to encourage, to build people up instead of break them down. Treat people in ways that bring healing, that bring restoration instead of destruction. Be mindful of the way that you are caring for people. Don't let them run you over, but love them enough to be there for them when they need. Father, you're always there with us. You're always doing those things to us. So help us grasp the way that you love us and the way that you are being the example for us and help us apply it to our own lives. Help us stop the things that have gone on for too long in our families. 
Help it in right now in the name of Jesus. May it not continue past us. May it not even continue past this service, Lord. May it end right now. May we see our children raised to be godly men and women of you who learn those principles that you've been trying to teach us. Father, there's a hurting world out there and let's not be a contributor to the hurt, but be part of the solution. Father, help us lead people to you so they can find healing the same way that we have. Father, we just thank you for your faithfulness and for your love and for all that you're doing right now in this moment. We thank you. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right now, don't, don't clap for me, clap for Jesus. All right. He breaking some things. But we're going to go to a time of worship. Here in the front, we'll have some prayer teams. But whatever worship looks like for you, if you need a moment to just to sit there and soak with God, if you need to come to the altar, if you want to dance and praise, whatever it looks like for you, man, let's go to the Lord with everything that we have. And let's try to press in and be an example. Let's worship.